The scripture lesson for this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the 15th chapter, verses 21 through 28. Listen now to a word from our Lord. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. And Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the children's and the master's table. And then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The backstory for today's scripture lesson is that the Pharisees and the scribes had come from Jerusalem to confront Jesus. The Pharisees and the scribes are concerned about hand washing, and Jesus is concerned about what's inside human hearts. The Pharisees and the scribes are concerned about ritual cleanliness codes and religious purification standards. And Jesus is concerned about creating clean hearts. The disciples witness the tension between Jesus and the scribes and the Pharisees and the scribes and Pharisees' frustration. And the disciples ask Jesus, Jesus, do you know the scandal that you have caused? Turn that question around, and it gives us an intriguing question for Confirmation Sunday. Maybe every year at Confirmation as a congregation, we should ask ourselves, what sort of scandal is Christ causing in our life together? Jesus has left that place of confrontation and questioning, and he goes into the district of Tyre and Sidon. He leaves the land to which he is called and enters the foreign land, the land of the Canaanite woman. And she shouts and she kneels and she persists that Lord Jesus, the son of David, can help her and her tormented daughter. Jesus initially doesn't answer her at all. And the disciples want to send her away for all the noise that she makes. And this story is an important point, a pivot point in the Gospel of Matthew. Initially, the disciples and Jesus are sent, and they understand their mission field as to those who are the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And by the end of the Gospel, 
We hear Jesus saying to the disciples after his resurrection, when he's there and there are some who doubt, although they worship, he says to them, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost and teaching them to obey everything that I have taught you. And remember, I will be with you to the end of the age. So put yourself into this narrative. Imagine for a moment, are you that shouting woman, an outsider who can persist for hope in God's healing mercy? Or would you be one of the disciples with a dismissive petition, be frugal, don't waste God's mercy? Who are you willing to be? an outsider trusting and striving for the abundance of God's healing mercy, or an insider warning and withholding out of scarcity that there just isn't enough. The Canaanite woman finds hope in the possibility of crumbs from the master's table. Crumbs. The story turns and becomes a pivot point in the gospel because of one woman's bold and audacious confession of faith. It is her profession of hope that meets the gracious healing power of God. And Jesus cries, woman, great is your faith. We need the persistence and the hope of the Canaanite woman and our gifts at work together as disciples of Christ. Each of us has a God-given gift, and for the sake of God's good world, an interdependence and responsibility to use that gift well. The Idlewild Basic Group gathered at the Memphis airport in that hour that Frank Kelly had us gather before the sun broke night into day. We prayed in a great big circle, and parents took pictures, and knowing that we were going off the grid, we said our goodbyes and I love yous to our people. Through security and waiting at the gate, the air was filled with that excitement of doing something new, of traveling to a new place, of being together to serve with Christ in a foreign land. And when we arrived in San Salvador, luggage was missing. Our time at the airport was longer than we had expected. And so we stopped at a roadside stand for a very late lunch. We had a long haul down a dusty footpath ahead of us where we would literally carry our bags down to a camp and settle into a small village. And shadows lengthened as we sat at those wooden picnic tables. Here I first met the three sisters, corn, beans, and squash. We were served pupusas, thick corn tortillas that are stuffed with mashed beans and squash. And on this trip, we ate a lot of rice, beans, squash, and corn. In fact, mostly we ate corn, beans, and squash. 
These three sisters, well, they grow best together in a garden. The lessons of reciprocity in a three sisters garden have helped me to understand the church and how we are to serve together. You see, corn takes on water quickly and it just shoots up. And if you pull out a corn stalk and shake off the dirt, you'd see that the roots don't go very deep, though the stalk grows firm and tall. And new bean plants, they, they drink in the deeper water that is trapped in the soil, and they put out these shaped, these heart-shaped leaves. And those, from those leaves come vines that climb the corn stalk. The squash seed takes time. Eventually, it sprouts and broad, bristly leaves cover the ground. Those leaves provide shade, and they keep the moisture in and discourage the nibbling caterpillars away from the beans. These three sisters and the garden gives us a lesson of reciprocity, of needing one another's gifts. And on this Confirmation Sunday, I find this lesson helpful. Our confirmands started this ministry in the middle of their ninth grade year with a breakfast. And now at the beginning of their 10th grade, in small intimate groups of a mentor, a confirmand, and members of their family, each one came into the sanctuary to be confirmed beside the font, saying, I renounce evil and sin and its power in the world, and I trust my life to Jesus Christ, who is my Lord and Savior, and I promise that I will be a faithful disciple. These confirmands did not have the privilege or the joy or the fun of a retreat, an overnight retreat at the church where they could bake bread and imagine Jesus' profession of, I am the bread of life. Nor did they lay on their backs in the midst of the sanctuary at midnight and listen for the presence of God. These confirmands had to try a new way retreating on Zoom and meeting with the session in Zoom breakout rooms to profess their faith in a risen Christ. As a church in a pandemic, we have found ourselves in a foreign land with how we've always done things not really working. And these confirmands have gifts and together they are charting new ways for our being the church. In Braiding Sweetgrass, Robin Kimmener, a botanist and a member of the Potawatomi Nation says, the most important thing each of us can know is our unique gift and how to use it in the world. Individuality, individuality is cherished and nurtured because in order for the whole to flourish, each of us has to be strong in who we are and carry our gifts with conviction so that they can be shared with others. I believe that God intends for us to know what our gift is 
and to use that gift or those gifts for the sake of the world. Individuality for an individual's sake alone is sinful and it's selfish. But knowing who you are and the gift or the gifts that God has given you and applying those gifts for the health of the whole of humanity, that's a definition of God's mercy at play in a world who desperately needs it. We each are created uniquely in the image of God, and we each have a gift that has the ability to make the world a more just, merciful, and loving place. And that's what I hope for each confirmand, that you will listen for and hone your gift, and that this church family will help to affirm your gift and your gifts. And that we as the church are attentive to your gifts and the potential that they bring to the church. In our church family, there's some people who are exceedingly comfortable drawing a chair beside a bed of someone who is dying and saying, I love you. Can we pray together? And then there are those who would never ever go near a hospice facility. And there are some in our community who love the noise and the chatter and the energy and the movement of young children learning how to play sports. And there's some others in our community who don't even know that Idlewild has a gym and an athletics ministry. And there are some who claim I am not creative, yet they found themselves creating beautiful, meaningful prayer flags out of household scraps. And there are some who raise strong, clear voices to injustices they see, and others who cry, don't ruffle any feathers, let's just kind of keep the status quo here, please. There are different gifts different people, and all are created in God's good image and gathered here to serve together in this place called Idlewild. And today, the confirmands tie their lives to the unlimited grace of God in Christ Jesus. They stake their lives in the truth that Jesus says to them, great is your faith. Great is your faith. Might that be the scandal of Christ at work in our lives together? Christ, the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Thanks be to God.